This is Small Space Radio, a podcast about relationships and the environment. I'm Ariella. This episode is a memoir by one of my really good friends, Lilia. I don't want to overexplain it or put ideas into your head before you listen to it, but it's really, really good. I hope you enjoy it, and I'm just going to let it speak for itself. Enjoy. My dream guy is an arty Taiwanese boy, no fewer than three piercings, about yay high, haircut, short back and sides. I love the texture of buzzed hair. His English name is something hilarious and adorable. Henry or Earl. He lives in a flat in Taipei with a balcony and a Shiba Inu. We'd go sit in my favorite indie cafes together, and everyone would recognize us as that really alternative-looking couple. I would do some badass drawings in my sketchbook, while he does something cool on Photoshop. He's like a graphic designer or something. When we're done, we'd pick up some Shengjianbao and take it home with us to eat, while we sit on the couch watching a fun romantic comedy, something like but you know that's just talk. One day, I'll meet the person who's right for me, and I'll love them no matter who they are. But to be honest, I do have preferences. I would prefer not to date a white guy. Some guys out there will only date Asian girls because they're attracted to the idea of having some kind of Asian thing in their life. And this kind of mentality happens across all race groups. But personally, I've seen it happen the most with white guys. And that just kind of freaks me out. It's not like I go around second-guessing people and their intentions for fun. I'm just trying to protect my tender heart. How do I know when it's safe to get invested? Before you hear what I have to say, why don't you give it a shot? You are the newest bachelorette on flirty or fetishy. The game is simple. Pick the guy who respects you as a person, and you get the deed to a quaint New England home with a white picket fence, two kids and a dog, and a happy marriage that's sure to last the rest of your days. Contestant one is John. John takes your hand with a winning smile and says, I like Asian women because they're more submissive than white women. Pleased with his charm, John adds, Nothing tastes better than General Tso's chicken, but Asian pussy. John lives in his mother's basement. His hobbies are jacking off and writing racist comments on Reddit. Contestant two is Jack. Jack has beautiful blue eyes and an adorable baby face. When you talk to him, you can tell by the way he looks at you that he's a good listener. He wants to take you out this Saturday. But before you answer, Make sure you scope out his Facebook profile. Did you notice that he's only ever been with Asian girls? Contestant three is Joe. You and Joe really click. You can talk about your favorite shows for hours. He even knows that one really niche anime you love. He's studying Japanese, and he's going to live there for a year after graduation, which is really cool. Although, when you ask him what interests him about Japanese culture, He doesn't provide any evidence to suggest that he knows anything about it outside of anime. So, which horse are you going to put your money on?
If you answered none of the above, you're right. Given those options, it would definitely be better to die alone. But it's not always that easy. Since you're so good at this, try this one. You are a 12-year-old Chinese girl, and you're sitting in the front row of accelerated math because your dad has been making you do algebra since you were nine and you get hundreds on all the tests. Sitting next to you is a 12-year-old white boy named Kenny, and he notices you. It's not because of your face, black hair the texture of straw, sparse eyebrows, dry skin that flakes on your eyelids, or your body, straight and awkward like a bean sprout, or your personality. He notices you because you get hundreds on all the tests. You must be really smart. Also, you drew a picture of Ness from Earthbound, his favorite video game, and put it in the cover of your binder. That's pretty cute. Kenny is really awkward, so he never speaks to you in person. And when he sees you in the hallway, he keeps his eyes trained on the floor in front of him, as if there are evil ants scurrying around his feet, that he's burning with his eye lasers. And if he stops for even one moment, the ants will attack, infesting the school and consuming everyone in a horrible ant plague. So there's absolutely no chance he'll look up, let alone make eye contact with you. But sometimes he sends you messages on Skype. If you were Rachel, this would make sense. You and Rachel have been inseparable since first grade. You have all the same tastes and hobbies, but Rachel is better. Rachel has hazel eyes, which means that they don't just have one color like yours of black, but a mix of three, brown, green, and gold. They don't scrunch up into narrow, indistinct lines, but actually brighten when she smiles. She has this instinct for making people laugh, and that makes people like her. Somehow she knows what clothes flatter her. Unlike you, you're stuck with your sister's hand-me-downs. You think just because Kenny's awkward, that means he likes you? How embarrassing would it be if you thought he did and he didn't? He's probably talking to you to get closer to Rachel. It's not like he doesn't send her messages too. If there's anyone any boy would want to kiss, It's Rachel. You pretend not to care. You pretend not to care that you have to draw eyeliner four times as thick as any other girl for it to even show up. You pretend not to care that you're still wearing training bras, while all the other girls have fancy 32Bs from Victoria's Secret, the bras that real women wear. And not only that, but also blue eyes and thick eyebrows and straight, round noses. You pretend it's enough to be smart, to get hundreds on your math tests. You pretend to learn Chinese. You hate Chinese. You hate memorizing every stupid character on your flashcards, which you have to do because to be halfway literate, you have to recognize at least 2,000 characters, because one distinct character corresponds to one distinct word, which you think is the most incredibly obtuse way to design a language. Because how can someone who didn't grow up in China possibly learn to recognize a bunch of... A bunch of virtually indistinguishable pictures, and you wish they had just come up with the stupid alphabet for their stupid language. You wish you were Japanese, Korean, anything but Chinese. Chinese people are rude and loud and dirty. You've seen it yourself. You hate Chinatown. 
You hate the people shouting and shoving their cheap knockoff coach bags in your face. You hate the smell of sewage and traffic. And you hate the pavements covered in litter and spit. It's disgusting. Like your country. Like your people. Like you. By high school, you wonder whether you're skinny and whether you'll stay skinny, and whether you'd be more attractive if your butt were a little bigger or your arms were a little thinner. You wonder if it's weird that you're 18 and you still haven't kissed a boy. It seems like everyone else has. You wonder what you're missing out on. If you were someone else, you would know. If you were Rachel, for example. Sometimes boys talk to her and it's like you're not even there. All you want is for someone to tell you that you're beautiful, that you're desirable. Well, not just anyone. You don't want to hear it from your mom or your friends. You know it doesn't count. You need proof. You need to hear it from a boy. But boys don't talk to you. They don't even notice you. Except for Kenny. He texts you. The texts never just say, hey, or what's up. He tells you about his late night excursions with the boys to the nearest halal food truck two towns over and his weekly visits to the acupuncturist. You knew Kenny from before. Accelerated math, obviously. But besides that, you notice him because he often wears this flannel that's a very distinct shade of chartreuse and his glasses always slide down his nose. You learn that he loves reading. He used up two stacks of post-it notes annotating the school's copy of The Sound and the Fury. He refused to give it back at the end of the term because he loved that book and he put so much care into those notes. He held onto it for three weeks past the due date and when he finally gave in to Miss Valenti's nagging, he returned it brimming with post-its despite her instructions to remove them, leaving her to peel off each and every note he had left. But she wasn't even angry with him because he was the best student in that class. And while everyone else was getting lost in Faulkner's winding sentences, he was marking each bend in the path with a post-it note. Most people don't like Kenny because he's mean. You don't really understand this. When he's with you, he's as soft and supple as Play-Doh. Most of the time, he's too shy to look at you. But when he's drunk enough, he'll turn to you with this dumb smile and it's like the word wow is written all over his face. Kenny has excellent taste. His favorite book, Kazuo Ishiguro's Never Let Me Go, keeps you up until three, crying into the pages. His favorite movie, Wong Kar Wai's Chungking Express, has this perfect mix of cheeky yet melancholy humor, which you love. One time you tried to show him your favorite song. He just shrugged. He probably thought it was bad. That makes sense, though. He listens to way more music than you do. Everything from Stravinsky to Gorillaz. He knows what's good and what's bad. So you let him do the sharing. It's safer this way. The more you share, the more he'll realize you're less interesting than you seem. His stuff is way cooler anyway. You and Kenny don't talk much when you're together. You solve word puzzles and watch movies. You help him organize his bookshelf. Sometimes he's curled up in a ball and you just cradle his head in your lap. Kenny is depressed. He's tried therapy and several pharmaceuticals that give him splitting headaches or indigestion or turn his poo green. He's more than depressed. 
He's hard to diagnose. Also, he loves you. And he needs you. He needs you to respond to his texts after you've both gone away to college and his depression intensifies. He hates the people at his school. He can't make friends. He's alone. He's always complaining. He doesn't see a point in studying. He hates English. He sucks at philosophy. He's the worst at math. No matter how hard he works, he always fails. He's good for nothing. He wants to drop out. He needs to know what you think. He needs the encouragement he's never gotten from any adult who wasn't paid to help him. He can't concentrate. He's too lazy. He'll never succeed. He's worthless. His meds don't work. He can't leave his bed. He lays there and stares at the wall. He picks at his cuticles. And he texts you. One of the texts is about the Weezer song, Across the Sea. The text says that he cried listening to it because it made him miss you. Kenny loves Weezer, so you want to love Weezer too. Across the Sea details the songwriter's experience during a period of severe isolation and depression. He's lonely and miserable until he gets a letter from an 18-year-old girl in Japan. She heard his song on the radio. She wants to know about him, his favorite food, his hobbies, his birthday. After receiving the letter, the songwriter becomes obsessed with the girl. He knows nothing about her, but he imagines that she's as delicate and refined as the stationery she writes on. He imagines what clothes she wears to school. He imagines her touching herself. And he wails. The songwriter claims to have fallen in love with the girl in the song. Do you believe him? It doesn't seem like love. He's never even met this girl. But what do you know about love anyway? It's not like anyone has ever been remotely interested in you besides Kenny. He wants you to be his girlfriend. But why you? Because you drew a picture on your binder in middle school? Because you don't talk much? Because you hiccup uncontrollably when you laugh too hard? No, you never laugh that hard with him. You always answer his texts. Does he know you at all? Would he have noticed you if you looked like everyone else? He likes Hong Kong movies and watching anime. What about all the times he told you how beautiful you are? Are you beautiful? Or does he just have a thing for Asians? You start withdrawing. He doesn't know what's going on. You don't want to see him anymore. He doesn't understand why you're doing this. He's crying. He needs you. Maybe he does love you. Look at his face. Look at his tears. You're building a case against him with evidence that doesn't exist. You make everything about race. It must be you. You're obsessed with the idea of yellow fever. You're pathetic. 
Sure, he's whiny and self-hating and insecure. But at least he's honest about it. You? You're still a 7th grader who's too cowardly to admit that she needs a white boy to tell her she's pretty so she can feel good about herself. So, what do you say? Are you going to be his girl? Why don't we take a break from this game? It's not as fun when things get complicated. And luckily for me, that's not something I have to deal with until Henry or Earl or other comes along. Oh, but one last thing. When I say that I would prefer not to date white guys, I hope you don't take it the wrong way. If I could, I'd be your little spoon and kiss your face.